Hey, this is Todd Burns from Red Bull Music Academy. Welcome to Couch Wisdom, our regular podcast presenting the best of RBMA's lecture archive. Kay Trinata has emerged over the past few years as the next in a long line of great beatmaking talents from Montreal. His success, though, is as much a SoundCloud thing as anything else. He first gained international recognition in 2012 for an unofficial Janet Jackson remix that he posted to the site. In 2016, Kay's debut album, 99.9%, a record that mixed Dilla-style beats, old disco oddities, and 90s-tinged R&B, won the Polaris Music Prize, one of Canada's highest honors for music. The announcement came shortly before the 2016 Red Bull Music Academy in Montreal. So when Catronata sat down to chat with lecture host Anupa Mystery, the wind was still very fresh in his mind. In this conversation, he talks about the Polaris, his celebrated remixes, and much more. If you want to learn more about the Academy, please stay tuned after the lecture. For now, enjoy this bit of couch wisdom. Kate Trinata, congratulations on your recent Polaris Music Prize win. And welcome to the Red Bull Music Academy in Montreal. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, I think a lot of people here would want to know how you end up working with dream collaborators on your first album. Oh, man. I think it's only by Twitter. You know, Twitter following, you know, knowing that they love your music back. So... For me, it's always awkward to just, you know, ask someone who doesn't know me, you know, to just work on with, with me on music. So pretty much, like, it's people that I met before, you know, overseas or whatever, on tour. And, you know, knowing that they love my music and that makes me more comfortable to work with them. So, yeah. How did you meet Craig David? Oh, Craig David. I didn't met him before. I think he followed me on Twitter before. And then I was like, oh, my God, Craig David is following me. Because, like, you know, I've been listening to a, um, his first album, Born to Do It. My sister was, like, bumping, uh, you know, Seven Days and, you know, Walking Away. Walking Away is one of my favorite songs from him. And, you know, just knowing by the fact that he, like, likes my music and he asked for beats. Like, we have, like, five demos that we worked on. And it's, everything sounds crazy. It's pretty much only choruses and, you know, Got It Good came, came with that. And I really asked, like, I asked him to use um, Got It Good for the album. And he said yes, so. For his album? Yeah, for my album, my oh, bad. Sorry, uh, but, but you do have stuff coming up for a new project that he's working on. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We have um, another song called Sink or Swim. And Got It Good, he, he, I think he used it, for, yeah, he used it for his album, his upcoming album coming up Friday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what does that interaction look like, say, with someone like Craig David? You guys are in the studio together, or are you sending files back and forth? It's pretty much that. Like, I, this is how I work pretty much with most of the artists. Like, um, I send beats, you know, and then some of them don't reply. Most of them don't reply back because they write a work in the studio, and, you know, stuff happens more in the studio. And I understand that, but me, like... I get to like find more of my ideas when I'm home and when I'm like in my own, you know, comfort zone. And studio is not really comfortable for me sometimes. But yeah, it's pretty much I send him as we I send beats back and forth and they send like ideas like uh, you know, or even like demos or, you know, everything around it. And I 
I judge it if it's hot or not. <laughs> no. So it's pretty much that. So you're the judge of it? Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of the things that's drawn people to 99.9% is your grasp of a variety of genres. I think it, it was an interview with Sway, um, the radio host. He said that you know, listening to this album made him feel like he was back in the mid-90s or something like that. Um, what was your reference point for a track like Leave Me Alone? The thing is, like, with Leave Me Alone, um, I was really inspired by, you know, like, Afro House. And, you know, at the time, it was I really liked, you know, the, all the dances uh, that came with like the African music and you know everything around it. So, you mean I, like modern African, yeah, music. modern African music like today, like you know Logubi and you know uh, Azanto, all that type of stuff. You know, and I really wanted to make that type of music so I could dance to it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what inspired me to do Leave Me Alone, and I have other tracks that is that has the same vibe, but I don't think they're gonna see the light of day. But yeah. You're very specific about about dance music. You've talked about this. And, and I don't mean, I mean music that is for dancing, not music that might just be classified as dance music. Um, where did you get those ideas from? I get those ideas because I guess it was like in me or something. Because I started with, with making hip hop beats and then there was like a phase in 2009 or something when I was in high school. I was making EDM, like pure EDM. Um, oh. Uh, all the house, you know, David Guetta was like a huge inspiration, like for for a little bit, for a little time. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, all those songs in 2009 where EDM was like starting to get, you know, on the pop radio and stuff like that. My sister was listening to a lot of that type of music, you know, and she wanted a mix as well for her cars, you know. So I made mixtapes for her. What were on those mixtapes? What? What songs were on those mixtapes? Um, like, you know, uh, No Stress and stuff like that. You know, like, I don't know if you know that song, uh, like Lauren Wolf or something. Uh, David Guetta, a lot of, like, you know, Memories with Kid Cudi. Uh, like the um, David Black Eyed Peas, you know, like, when, you know, when Black Eyed Peas went, like, uh, Full Electro. You know, I, lo- I fuck with that. I really like that. My yeah. bad for the lyric. But I really like, like, when Black Eyed Peas turned to, like, it was really interesting to see them try, you know, EDM house or pop music. So it was all that type of music at the time that was like something new or something, you know, interesting. So, and then I discovered Justice, which okay. was way more different, you know, way more weird, way more like greedy, raw, like sort of like how Madlib does it with, you know, his beats and stuff like that. So it was just that Justice was doing like, I guess, house and, you know, dance music, we'd say but very, with, with an art form. So I was always inspired by that. But that's all like the dancey stuff came with the idea of just making dance music. So that's where it comes from. In an interview, you said that the first song that made you cry was No Woman, No Cry by Bob Marley when you were three years old. Do you remember the first song that made you want to dance? I mean, <laughs> if I go back to memory... I don't know if I remember the first song that made me dance, but no, I can't really remember. Like maybe like like a little Bow Wow song, like Take Me Home, <laughs> that maybe really want to do the Harlem Shake and you know all those type of music around 2002, um, like all the hot dances, you know the Right There and the Crip Walk and all that type of stuff crank was insp- that. yeah yeah crank. I mean crank that was a little later. Yeah. I was not I was not a fan of that, but my brother was like playing. <laughs> 
<laughs> these songs all the time. And those two were like doing all the dances and you know, I knew the dances by heart because of them, because they were doing in like my face all the time, you know, like so yeah. Now so, it's I I respect it so much. But, do yeah. you have a process now for kind of testing out the danceability of your tracks? Do you dance to them? Do you watch other people dance to them? Not really. I just think I have it in me, you know, like mm. it's just that I feel it in like my the back or no no. Like the back of my neck or it has to be like groovy and like it made me feel like some type of way, you know. It has to be I have to like have fun too while I'm making a beat and you know, make it soulful, make it groovy, you know, I'm trying to find always like the key to like what will make me like move or what make will make people dance at my shows or or you know, any party that's that's happening. So that's like where why I wanna make dance music, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think I was into DJing first. So um, I discovered a uh, virtual DJ. Um, just seeing my cousin, like a close cousin of mine, was just like, uh, just showing me virtual DJ. And just the fact that you could digitally scratch records, I was like, oh, snap, like, oh, sh-. So just seeing the fact my, like, my cousin was like scratching digitally, I was like so like interested to just like try to mix. So I was just like digitally mixing on virtual DJ. And then I learned about looping, like looping drums and looping samples. And then you just combine that and it just makes a whole brand new beat. So I was like, man, I can't make my own beats, you know, like I can't, I just have to control it. You know, I, I didn't want to use drum loops for the rest of my life. So my brother introduced me to Fruity Loops a bunch of times. I, I installed and, and uninstalled like over three times because I, I didn't know how it worked. And then my brother was like, man, you just have to do this like that, that, that. And I was like, oh, shh, okay. And then I could start making beats from then, like since I was 14. <laughs> what did those beats sound like? Um, those beats sounds like uh, pretty much, I think the first beat I remember was like some trap, like very hard drums and like normal stock sounds, like very experimenting. Like, yeah, I wish I had the beats with me, but... Damn, I have the CD at home. I wish I could have showed you, but yeah. <laughs> and are you still using Fruity Loops now? Yeah, sometimes. So do you want to tell everyone what you're using? I'm um, using Machine now, that with Fruity Loops. But Fruity Loops is just, it's, um, it's pretty much for sampling. It's more easier. But with Machine, I guess, like, I just learned about the new update. So I, I, I use Fruity Loops less now. But yeah. I think, you know, we're here in Montreal. This is some people's first time in Montreal. And and maybe we can set the scene a little bit. I mean, you're born in Haiti, but you moved here when you're only a few months old. And you don't actually live in Montreal. You live in a suburb just outside of here called Saint Hubert. Yeah. Did I say that right? You said that. Yes. Um <laughs> can you tell us what it's like there? It's a calm neighborhood. It's pretty it's pretty calm. I love it here, like living there, like nobody bothers you, nobody knows where you are, so it's like, it's pretty calm and you get like, it's mellow, I love it, you know? Like, I don't know where I'm gonna leave this, uh, like St. Hubert town, but it's pretty cool, I love it. They have everything you want to, like, but it's just like more mellow than it is in Montreal. Montreal is like overcrowded, but you know, it's not that overcrowded, but you know, it's the suburbs, you know? So when you were a teenager and you're like 
into music, you're learning how to DJ and virtual DJ, like, how did you explore that? Is there anywhere in Saint Hubert to like, go listen to music or go, I mean, I guess you wouldn't have been buying music, probably would have been downloading music. Um, but yeah, can you go hear live music anywhere? My parents were very strict, so I couldn't go nowhere. I couldn't listen to music like I listened to, like whatever, like nobody was listening to what I was listening to. So it was hard to find something that kind of matches what I, what I was listening to at the time in St. Hubert even. So like I couldn't go out since I was like 19 years old. So like the first time like I discovered like, you know, the Pew Pew scene and people listening to Mad Lib and all the beat makers like, you know, Sam I Am. All my favorite beat makers like Flying Lotus and all that. They were all listening to that type of music. And there were a lot of musicians making the same type of music as I was. So it was like sort of a relief to find that in Montreal. You know? So you went out before you turned 19 and found this scene, the Pew Pew scene. Yeah. Um, can, you tell, can you tell everyone here specifically what it is? Um, the Pew Pew scene is, um, is, is the beat scene. It's kind of like the same thing that was going on in LA. Like the low-end theory um, stuff where there was just only like weird but crazy beats, you know, like experimental, whatever you want to go with it, you know, sampling and all that. It was just uh, it's just something fresh and new um, in Montreal for sure. So like that night, uh, I did my first gig, I guess, you know, um, the, at the RB Montreal. That's where the Pew Pew scene started. RB Montreal is a collective slash you know they always make up those events to you know bring producers from quebec you know you know or canada or anywhere in canada you know bring them into one spot and just like show each other like the beats you know who are some of those producers um some of them um were canlo um high classified the p but it, there was so many like series of them because like there's so many, so much producers, you know. So I met a lot of people over there. So it really got it really break through, um, you know. For me, it break through a lot. So like, so I could see like there's other musicians out there making using the FL Studio and you know doing the same similar beats as I as I was doing at the time. So where did you fit in? I think like in an interview, you've kind of talked about the different levels of Pew Pew. Yeah. So maybe break down the different levels and then talk about where you, which level you were on. Um, I don't know. I guess I was on level one. Level one is just like, I don't know. I was, ex I was, uh, I was, uh, how can I say that? This Pew Pew thing was like, everybody was looking for the meaning of it. So like nobody knew what it really meant. But the guy who invented it named V Looper, uh, shouts to him. He's from Quebec City, and he's like, we make pew-pew music, and it's just, um, like, we're live and direct. We're just making pew-pew music, and that's it. But a lot of people, like, took that pew-pew meaning and flipped it around. So we didn't, it has a lot of meaning. So, like, everybody was just explaining their own, what they felt about pew-pew. And it was kind of starting to get confusing, so I didn't know what to say. Sometimes, like, when they interviewed me for that documentary that they was doing at the time, I was saying, like... Pew Pew level one is um, just, you know, normal beats, you know, just sampling. And Pew Pew level two is just like between, you know, the smooth drums and hip hop, whatever, and with experimental sounds. 
and people level three is just like the crazy you can get the craziest you can get with uh and the more creative you can be uh, as a beat maker you know and that's how the pew pew was seen from me at the time but now i don't see it that way it's just a community a family in montreal that was just making beats so so you 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 talked about or you mentioned like low end theory in LA there's also or there is also like selection and HWNW there's all of these different kind of beat scenes or collectives that were kind of growing at the same time as this one um you know what do you think Montreal was doing different from those scenes I think Montreal what they were doing different was um the fact that they uh, represented Quebec to the fullest and you know they there's like French rap over it and that that really sounded fresh like it sounded dope like uh this group named a la claire ensemble was like pretty much like the the ones who came up with the pew pew sound and they came up with the raps uh, and everything post rigondon that's what they call it um it's pretty much uh <laughs> it's pretty much like i don't know like you you're probably gonna hear a mad lib influence in there but they rap like like with pride with with the quebec accent and all that and you know it, it sounded dope it's, it was really some something creative and they were dropping albums for free and you know that kind of built their fan base by just the fact that they were dropping their stuff for free and they're making so much good music so i was really influenced by them and yeah all right i think we have to listen to the song sure hey there at this point in the lecture they played some music unfortunately due to copyright reasons we can't play that here yeah um bum too Anyway, let's go back to Couch Wisdom with Kay Trinata. That was your remix of Janet Jackson's If? Yes, it is. <laughs> How did things change for you after you made that song? Everything changed after this remix. Everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, how can I say that? What was the first thing that changed? Um, the first thing that changed was my SoundCloud followers. You <laughs> know what I mean? I was at like 3,000 followers or something like that. You know, I was already stoked to have 3,000 followers. And, you know, overnight, you know, I made that like at 4 or 5 a.m., you know, coming from a flying notice show. And I was so inspired. Like, I think it was a time I was like, Kevin, you need to stop playing and be creative and be like your own sound. Because I was like copying Della Madlib, trying to imitate them all the time. And for some reason, like, I don't know what, really pushed me to do this remix and why that make it housey like before it was like like this beat was very like 90 bpm very slow but i try to put it best i'm like oh stuff like oh like this is like i added the swing like and you know for a housey beat you know like i never heard that before in some way um or we don't get to hear that often so I guess, like, for me, it was like, yo, this is, like, the flyest-ish ever. I'm, I was so confident that it was, like, sort of the flyest shit ever at the time, you know. But it's just the fact that it sounds so new and so fresh and, like, all those up-tempo R&B, whatever, Neil Soul, it kind of felt that way. And then I just posted it on SoundCloud because I was like, you know what, I just, I'm just going to do it. And then at the time I was sleeping, like, at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and I would wake up at, like, 4 in the afternoon, you know. So that was like the times I was sleeping late. And then I was getting a bunch of notifications, you know, like my notifications on 
on the iPhone was on. So I was just getting like nonstop notifications like, like, like your sound, like your sound, like your sound, blah, 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 like your sound on SoundCloud. So I was like, what, what is going on right now? Like, like, is my remix blowing up or something? Then like, I see like that get more likes than usual. And I was like, oh snap, this is, this is crazy. Went back to sleep for four more hours and then woke back again. <laughs> then I see more, even more likes. And I realized that, you know, it was like this um, Majestic Casuals and some other account named Tiffany Zoo or something like that. She was just post, they were just posting stuff on, on their YouTube channels and they had a lot of, a lot of subscribers. So that kind of like made me big. And I didn't get to upload, uh, I think I'll put the, the Lady Remix, the Mojo Lady Remix after that. And then I stopped doing it for a while. Then for some reason I was working um, the Teacher Moses, Teacher Moses Be Your Girl remix for like three months because I, I didn't know like what snare, what the right snare or whatever, like the right claps or whatever. I think I couldn't find that. So I just sat on it till February and then I dropped that and it was like another like, another banger like if, and you know, I was like, okay, this is, this might be it. This might be, you know, the time, I guess, you know, this new sound, I'm, I'm gonna like run with that. And try to like come up with some new new ish, I guess you know. So I guess the up tempo like R and B ish like was kind of like hot at the at the time, very fresh, very new, and you know a lot of people like was inspired to do it. So yeah. Is that track still important to you after all the other stuff you've accomplished since putting out If? To be honest, it is very uh, very very important track. You know, if I don't play it in my sets, you know, I know pe the fans are going to be so disappointed. So it's like the last song I always play in my sets. And and I, you know, I can't deny it that the fact that this song is like a hit for people. And it's like the song that people like lose their mind to. Um, me, I don't see it as, I, I think I made better productions, of course. But, you know, I guess this is the one that people like the most. And, you know, I guess I'm, gonna run with that for the rest of my life but it's okay you know <laughs> it is the song that like had madonna calling you and janet's people calling you and yeah who else called you madonna and janet janet called me yeah madonna called me like i guess madonna called me because she heard like other stuff like leave me alone and all the other stuff with it and who else called me <laughs> i don't know i can't remember who else called me someone called you recently andre 3000 yeah from Outcast, you were in the studio with him this past weekend. Yeah, but I don't think that's the song that called him. But he's no. like, but that's it's been five years. So. Yeah, yeah, but he told me like he really like like how I put like program my drums. Like I guess it was more of a serious thing, serious thing. Like he knows like the swing and stuff. Like even when he raps, like he he has the swing. I think like when you have the swing and you recognize like. You know, swing, recognize swing. You know, if you're a rapper, <laughs> if you're a rapper, you know, like, and you, like, got, like, this funky, like, like, bounce or whatever, like, how you perform it, you know, like, Anderson Pack does it, like, we're definitely going to click, you know, like, I think, like, there's not a lot of rappers that way, you know, so... Andre recognized it, Anderson Pack recognized it, and there's much more as well, you know, Mick Jenkins and, you know... My bro as well, Lou Phelps, you know, a lot of like, you just have to recognize swing pretty much. So, 
Yeah. Swing, recognize, swing. Swing, recognize, Hashtag swing. Hashtag swing, recognize. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, so, you know, these people who we all know have, have called you or have wanted to work with you, but there are some people um, you've worked with and, and they've worked with you. You guys have done stuff for each other's records. Um, uh, one of them, or I guess a few of them, it's the internet and specifically Sid the Kid. Yeah, that's how did it. you connect? How did you connect with with Sid and the internet? How did that happen? Um, I connected uh, with Sid and the crew um, um, in Croatia. That was like in Dimensions Festival. There was like a huge storm going on. And I didn't, didn't get to play my whole set like 15 minutes, and it was like storm and just shut down the whole festival. So we had to like stop it there. And they were like in the background, like yo, like you just shut the whole festival down, you know? But it's, yeah, that's how we connected pretty much. And before that, you know, they were following me on Twitter and, and you know. <laughs> SoundCloud. It's, yeah. yeah, of course. And to me, it was like, I was like mind blown, like, wow, like, you know, like I'm a fan of the internet. So yeah, it was pretty huge, pretty crazy. Why is that relationship important to you? Because, you know, like Sid is like, one talented motherfucker, you know, like like the whole like the internet crew, like they have so much soul, and you know, and there's not a lot of bands out there that has soul like them, you know, like nowadays it's not it's not you know really common to find that. So pretty much the internet has their own sound, and you know, and they it's sick, <laughs> it's just sick, you know, it's it's music that connects people together, and that's that's what happened. You guys. Um share common influences too like yeah. the Neptunes and yeah the Neptunes for sure like N.E.R.D. and all that yeah you're also a big fan of, of Dilla and Madlib we've kind of talked about that a little bit too um, I want to talk a little bit about why you love Kareem Riggins though no he's funky man he's really <laughs> funky like and he's like a sick drummer as well and he played drums on this album for yeah, you yeah Bus Ride <laughs> what makes Kareem's drum special to you? Because, you know, he makes beats as well. So, you know, a lot of drummers don't, you know, just play drums and that's it, you know. And he, I guess, put the snare as loud as he can and adds the swing that we need and all that. So it's pretty much that. Okay, let's listen to uh, another producer. Uh, two artists, actually, that you really love. Madlib and Erica Badu, The Healer. That's like one of my favorite songs, man. Like, for real. My, it's my favorite artist as well. Why is it one of your favorite songs? I don't know. When I first heard it, I'm like, yo, like, the beat is banging, you know? And the fact that an R&B singer could just, like, sing on, on like, hip-hop beats it's always an amazing thing like that's why i love mary j blige so much and that's why i love erica badu so much it's just like stuff that bangs you know like like hip-hop stuff but you know it it adds a twist like to the r&b i guess you know so and that song is dedicated to jd yeah pretty much the man so it's Dilla. like everything that you love exactly that's song. pretty much defines what i am musically when did you first get into Della? Um, I got into Dilla like, uh, like because of Tropical Quest, uh, and I discovered like right after he passed away, of course, you know. But, um, but I was listening to his production without knowing him, knowing 
it was like him on the beats, you know, Find A Way is my favorite track from, from Tribe. So, and I didn't know he produced it at the time. And I was like, oh, like, like in 2006, I remember like everybody saying like Jay Dilla passed away. And I'm like, like, who's Jay Dilla? Like, and I feel so stupid to say that. But I was like, who is Jay Dilla? So I just like did my research and then found that he produced like The Far Side and uh, Tribe and he did the Bus Bus a Bus, of course. Slum Village. Slum V, of course. Yeah, Slum V. How can I forget Slum V? You know, so many artists that he produced that I was listening to and I was like, you know, I only knew Just Blaze and the Neptunes at the time. So, yeah. I think the interesting thing about Dilla too is that he was able to do all that heavy, like, kind of music nerd stuff, but then also do a song, like, Vibrant Thing. Yeah, Vibrant Thing <laughs> like is... Q-tip. Yeah, club bangers. He he, can, he could do whatever he, he wanted to. There's like his like one of his latest tape before he passed away, like in 2005, uh, called Sixty Four Beats or whatever. And it's only club bangers, you know. Probably made for Busta Rhymes and all those type of artists. And it bangs so much. It's just it's the fact that it's it's so crazy. It's just that it's club bangers, but he's slip, flipping samples as well. So they kind of, that kind of influenced me and it still influenced me to this day to just like flip samples, but make it hot at the same time and not only traditional boom bap joints, you know? So so you just went to Brazil? Yep. Um, I mean, I always wanted to go to Brazil because I was, you know, I'm a Madlib fan and Madlib did a lot of like mixes with only Brazilian music. And to me, it's like uh, like folk, rock, psychedelic, and, you know, not disco, but like samba, bossa nova, all that type of jazzy stuff that comes from Brazil. And I don't know, there's something about Brazil that is like sound gritty, you know, sound raw, and like straight to your like face. And so soulful, way more soulful, and way more progressive than just soul music, you know? So, I don't know, it kind of touched me, like... In my heart, like, damn, like, those music are so soulful. Like, it makes me, like, I don't know, cry. Or, I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's just the, the best type of music that that I could find. Like, since I discovered Madlib when I was younger, um, there was that was, like, another thing that kind of, like, opened the door for me to, like, just hear other types of music, which is, like, Brazilian MPB, like, from the 1970s and all that type of stuff. So, like, Madlib is really the one who inspired you to like start digging looking for samples yeah like, i mean even Brazil, on youtube and stuff i mean youtube of course but you know everybody goes to youtube in some way you know but the fact that i was in rio i went to this call this thing called supernut or whatever like supernut records something like that and it was only appointment only and i spent like 10 hours in there uh, my brother kept calling me like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? <laughs> so it's, so I really spent like my whole, the whole day just trying to like listen to records, trying to discover something new, trying to discover more stuff to sample or just stuff to listen to pretty much. Um, and yeah. <laughs> What's Black Tropical House? Oh, Black Tropical House is the 99.9% sound, I guess. From no, honestly, Black Tropical House. I came up with that tweet just to prove a point. You know, everybody's like, "What type of music you doing? Oh, what do you think you're doing? Like, like what are you doing?" I'm like, you know, I guess tra Black Tropical House. You know, because you know, I came 
from I come from Haiti, where you know very Caribbean influences and everything that I do like has like this percussions, I guess you know. So and I take the Kaigo, you know, meaning you know, and flip around, and I guess you know Kaigo is like the head, the guy who makes the the I guess the tropical house as we call it mainly. But I guess I put a, a flip on it to say Black Tropical House because my my stuff is pretty like black music sounding. You know, I don't know. I don't, don't want to make it a race thing, but you know, when there was a time when it's called black music, I took from that in the seventies and put Black Tropical House because my stuff has more swing to it. You know, than just how it. So it can only not. It cannot only be house music only. So it's there's like the swing and there's like the 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 soul in it. So I guess the black tropical house meaning comes from that. But you know, it's just some stupid tweet I wrote, really honestly. But it was just to prove stupid. a point. You know, like it was just to prove a point. <laughs> I think I was also reading that you and Matt Martians from the internet kind of talk about what it means to be like black men making the kind of music that you make, or maybe specifically making house music. Do you want to talk about that a little? Um, yeah, because um, I guess um, mainly like you would guess that with the type of music I'm making, it's more like it's weird to explain that because house music, you see mostly the most known house DJs are pretty much like white people and like white DJs and stuff like that or, you know, and that's how it is. But just the term that the fact that just because of a genre you have to, you have to make some type of music even growing up like like being black like you would probably like you people would look at you weird because you're not listening to hip-hop or something like that or you're into like you know emo music or whatever like or, or, or that type of music it, 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 like you wouldn't see like i guess a black man listen to that because like that's what this society made it seem but at the end of the day it's just music you know yeah it's, it's only music because like you know you, you see nrd making rock music pure rock music that has like a little soul r&b element but it's mainly rock you know so i guess that's the best example i can give it to you like pretty much and the internet like you know matt from the internet so said that it's hard for us to be you know as black musicians, we make we're supposed to make hip hop and you know and stuff like that, which is not true. At the end of the day, music is music, um, and I guess society, like while growing, like at the time, made us seem that you can only make that type of music, you know. But which is whatever. But yeah. You actually just won the the Polaris Music Prize. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're the first black artist to win the, the Polaris Music Prize in the prize's history, which, you know, has been kind of a, a thing that we have talked about here in the Canadian music industry for a while. I mean, in general, though, how does, how does it feel to be recognized with something like that? It feels great because how the Canadian music scene was really, like, seen, it was just, like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say, like, I have nothing against, like, folk music or, you know, everybody playing, you know, doing, like, country and stuff like that. But in Canada, I guess they were, they were saying, it was only, like, this type of music that would be on the radio. And, you know, 
rap music would be less played or whatever, you know, and in, in your house music or electronic music. So to be recognized by the Polaris for like, you know, as art as well, it's pretty crazy because you know, you would probably expect something pop to win, you know, or something like country or rock or, you know, hilly pilly or rock and roll or something like that. You know, it's to me it's like um yeah, it's good because they they finally recognize um, you know, like R and like R and B house rap, you know, all in one. All actually, a lot of different genres in, all in one, one album. Exactly. Yeah. So, and yeah, it's pretty crazy to me that they recognized it. And earlier this year, you you called the Canadian music scene out of touch, though. You tweeted that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. Um, that was because of a, a of a um, a nomination for the Juno Awards being disqualified. Yeah. Do you still feel that way now that you have your award? <laughs> I mean less than I used to I guess you know um, but the reason why I said that is just the fact that they recognized at all like in 2015 or 16 is it 2016 right because the fact that because at all came out in 2013 and this is like three years later they recognize it like as a single you know like for me, like they could have used "Leave Me Alone," they could have used "Drive Me Crazy" that came out 2015, you know. But they use "At All" because "At All" has a music video, something like that. But it's like, why would they put it on 2015 and then say, "Oh, my bad, false alarm"? So to me, it's like, why is it in 2016 or 15 that you recognize "At All" when it came out 2013? You know what I mean? And that's why I feel like it's out of touch because they would nominate like big names, you know, without even listening to the music or something like that. I feel like it's more of a popularity contest like Grammys did, you know, like it's, that's how I, I saw it, you know. And I hope they see it differently now because I just did that weird rant on Twitter, like the out of touch thing, you know. But it was just to prove a point, like, and, you know, I don't think, I don't think I'm the only one feeling that way, of course, you know, like, I've been talking to people over the years about how the Canadian music scene is, but, you know, that's how I see it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think that wraps up our time here. Thank you so much for this. No Hey, this is Todd Burns again. Thanks for listening to Couch Wisdom. Before you go, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you a bit about the Red Bull Music Academy. The whole thing is a world-traveling series of music workshops and festivals. Almost every year since 1998, we have done the main academy event in one city. The lecture you just heard, for instance, was from the academy in Montreal. But we do events around the world throughout the year. In fact, we may just be doing an event near you pretty soon. If you want to find out more, check us out at redbullmusicacademy.com. Also, if you liked what you heard on this podcast and you're not already subscribed, please go for it and consider rating us while you're at it. It really does help other people discover the podcast. Thanks for listening.